And we are live. Live? Live. Live recording? No. <laughs> we'd be terrible at that. We'd sound like big retards <laughs> and then no one would listen to us and we'd be off off air very quickly. That or everybody would listen and just be like, listen to these idiots. These guys are fucking stupid. Who gave them a podcast? Nobody. That's who. Because <laughs> you're in this day and age, you just make your own shit. As it should be. You want to publish a terrible book that nobody's going to read? You could do that. You just have to pay. So you're a hobo now. Yes, I'm a vagrant. You're a, vag- a vagabond, huh? <laughs> yeah. You, uh, a wino. You think you're one of them bindle stiffs that ride the trains? I, the a only, tramp, if you will? The only reason I could think... Like, all right, quick, quick backup. Uh, I was just telling Caleb before, before we started recording that... The other day, as I was walking into work from my car, that... That you own. Like, you have a car. Yeah. Well, granted, he might not have seen me get out of the car, because uh, it's still early morning, so I had to park in the one side right. of the parking lot and walk across to the, the side open. that was open. So I'm walking across the parking lot, and this guy's walking down the aisle, and we're not even that close to each other. We're, like, two parking lanes, like, you know, away he looks over to me, and he's like, you homeless? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I stop, and I go, what? <laughs> such a weird thing to just blurt out. He's like, you homeless? And I was like, no. And he's just like, oh, okay. And just like well, turns around and walks walks away, leaving me going, what the fuck? Like, what was the other, other end of that conversation? Like, if you said you were homeless, just to fuck with him, like, yeah. What of it? I'm sure you're wearing your work clothes, right? Yeah, the, the only reason I could think of it maybe is because, like, I have, like, you know, you see, normally when I come over, like, I have, like, a light hoodie with, like, a bigger jacket over it. Right. And then, like, I have my, like, a drawstring bag where I keep, like, whatever I'm reading and my hat and, like, just rather random things, plus my lunchbox. So, like, unless if he thought, like, that was my bendo stick... That was your homeless get-up? Yeah. Your gear? And the only, or just the look on my face as I walk into work gave off the, 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 like the homeless, depressed look, which, I mean, is a possibility. I, I kind of understand, because I've seen the look you have on your face when you're at work. Yeah. I've seen you there. And it is this, like, vague desperation that just reeks of, somebody help me. <laughs> just, I need, I need assistance. So I could kind of maybe see it. If you're wearing clothes and you're... I mean, where the fuck would you come from? (laughs) That's right. But uh, I kind of just wish that I wasn't so, like, taken aback at that moment. Because I would have been like, wait, you got a job offer? (laughs) (laughs) You would have been like... Why, you hiring, buddy? (laughs) But then with my luck, I would have been in the van and murdered. (laughs) My luck, it probably would have been like an ICE agent. And he thought you were like a fucking... A legal immigrant or something. Yeah, right. Just got one of them illegal Russians. I'm like, test him. He should just start speaking another language. So, yeah. like, if any, like, normal day of work isn't shitty enough or starts shitty, just that just puts a whole just other, like, just mis- ice, icing on the cake. You're mistaken for a homeless. That's that's awkward. There are a lot of homeless people that hang around there now. Yeah. I always see them when I drive up there. I don't know why. Like, who's giving them money? Like, when they're by the red lights in these big intersections, who's stopping to give them money? I see people. I see people. And what pisses me off is when you see those fucks with dogs. Yeah, it's like you have this big-ass dog. That makes me mad. And that also makes me think that it's a scam. 
I don't like the ones who are sitting out there and they have like the sign traveler need gas money or something stupid like that. It's like you're a traveler. Like, what the fuck does that mean? You have these big backpacks and stuff. So you're just going across the country just begging for money. Like, why would I give you money? That's a weird thing. I I just, I don't like it. I don't like being harassed at red lights. And you know, once you feed them, they just don't go away. Change. 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 Fucking God damn it. I don't have anything against homelessness. Yeah. I mean, well, I do. I don't want people to be homeless. Mm-hmm. But I don't, like, if you're homeless, that sucks. But when you're at a fucking Walmart or something begging people in the front door, then you get in a Mercedes when no one's looking. Like, fuck you. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, the majority of those are, are, are scams. Like, put it this way. If you can get 20 bucks, like, you're out there for an hour and you get 20 bucks. That's more than most people get paid in an hour. Yeah. Like, that's... Tax-free. Yeah, mostly, they double. So, if you can get eight hours of 10 to 20 bucks an hour, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, maybe we should start hoboing it. Get us a Bugatti. <laughs> Some uh, panhandling. You know, taking, talking about all this hobo talk, it's going to go into this episode quite nicely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hey there, people! You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me, as always, is Spencer, the Tijuana Taco Thief Church. You like that? I just came up with that stuff. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even think that. Didn't... Well, it actually should have been some Irish related, right? This is an it, Irish episode. Should have, yeah. St. Patty's Day episode, the Dublin Double Crosser. Oh, that's, that's a good one. That's even even more off the top of the head. I don't think I can name one more Irish city. Damn, that's, that's sad. Is there a Scottsdale? I feel like there should be a Scottsdale. In Highland? I don't know. Seems like a word that would be over there. Uh, I don't really like the double and double crosser. That sounds... Sounds... Shifty? Yeah, shifty. Today... Think I'm about to hit somebody with a shillelagh. <laughs> Just brick them in the knee. Like a hornswoggle on wrestling back in the day. Yeah. Just walking around with a shillelagh. How did he get that gimmick besides the fact that he was short? I think that's it. I think that's how it takes. I like that's how you could still, like, as long as if somebody's Irish, you could still make fun of them without any backlash. You could make fun of them for being leprechauns. You, I think you still call Mick. Really? I think so. Call somebody a dumb Mick. Isn't that an Irish slur? Pretty I, sure. No, I thought that, that's not a, is it Irish or is it Italian? No, Italian's not Mick. Irish is Mick. I watch enough gangster movies. Okay. I'll right. look it up just to be sure. I believe you. I believe you. Do you know? Oh, whole list of ethnic slurs here. <laughs> moon cricket? What is what that? What is that? That's an Irish slur. A moon cricket. Yeah, never, I like that. Never heard of that one before. <clears throat> yeah, Mick is a derogatory term for an Irish okay. person. Which is okay, because I have Irish in me now. I did my my test, my DNA test, and I'm mostly Irish, so now I can say these things. Top of the morning to ya. Anyway, today's episode is going to be about drinking, because it's St. Patty's Day weekend, and what's more stereotypical of Irish folk than saying they're all drunks? Yes. And we might end the episode with actually a positive note by relaying some of the most famous Irish authors and the work you should read from them. But that depends how much, how drunk we are by yeah. the time we get to that point. We're going we're gonna to start the episode by going through the biggest drunks in literature. Characters and authors. Now, where would a list be 
without the first man on it, number 15. We're reading the top 15 great alcoholic writers by listfirst.com. A highly shitty website, as it turns out. Yeah. You're having problems over there. I was having a little bit of trouble. I'm not. Mine's fine, but yours just keeps directing you to fucking Amazon shit. Like, it's just, you're getting hijacked. You need need an ad blocker or something on your phone. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, number 15 on this wonderful put-together list by author Listverse staff is Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, we did a whole episode on him. I don't know how much we have to really go over. Just know that he likes to get it. Oh, he gets it. He gets it in and he gets it deep. Have you checked out one of the newer episodes of, of the Rogan when he he's talking to that guy who he like he just wrote a book about Hunter H. Thompson? No, I, I did not. It's one of the newer ones. It's like like the last one of the last couple. Who was the guy? I can't think of the dude's name off the top of my head. Ah, oh, what the fuck. You was expecting something useful from me? No, not really. Well, according to this list Apparently, he had a DUI and it got dropped because there was no basis for the charges. That's lame. You asked me how Hunter S. Thompson could be number 15 on the list of great drugs. And I brought up the fact that while he did drink a lot, he mostly just did drugs. Like, that yeah. was his big thing. He was more of a drug guy than a drunk. Now, number 14, Raymond Chandler. We'll read this because not everybody knows Raymond Chandler. He was an author of crime stories and novels of immense stylistic influence upon modern crime fiction especially in the style of the writing and the attitudes now characteristic of the genre that dog's got a goddamn squeaky toy he does where does he fucking pull these out of his ass <laughs> yeah like, he eats- hide them all before the podcast and somehow he always gets them he eats them before we start and then shuts them out son of a bitch <laughs> well i'm gonna go fix that but i'll leave you on this quick note raymond chandler apparently abused alcohol for the entire duration of his writing career. Sounds about right, especially when you're uh, wicked, like something like crime fiction. Well, it's, he, he it's, was born in 1888 and died yeah. in 1959. So he had a decent life, I guess. But he lived through some shit. Oh, yeah. And he's writing crime fiction. And I imagine crime fiction of the time. I never read any of his work, but I, I feel like it wouldn't be what crime fiction is now. No. Because now it's all DNA, foreng- forensics, uh... The crazy murder. It, it, I'd say it would have to be more like a noir kind of like I don't well, hard boil like you know. You figure he probably came to prominence. I would assume because I don't. I'm not really familiar with his work. I would assume in the 1910s to 1930s. Yeah, maybe maybe he was a depression era writer. He would have been older by then. But uh, just trying to think like what kind of crime fiction would be written back then. Unless it's like war crimes or something. What the fuck was going on? Old armed robberies? Like yeah. at old banks? Some wild, wild west shit? Kind of interested to see what old crime. Then again, there's, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes. I, was, I would say that's crime fiction, mystery. To a point, yeah. But I feel like London, since it's so much older than the United States, was probably. Well, does it say this guy was born? He does not. Yeah, so, well, I mean, well, if he was British, that'd make a little more sense. Because I feel like they had. A, we had kind of a Wild West justice system for a while. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, all the way up to the 1900s, like the early 1900s, uh, the court system was a little iffy. But, like, London kind of had that shit in lock. I mean, they still killed people and stuff, but they had proper trials and everything. The wigs. Yeah, they had big wigs. So, I can see crime fiction being a little more prominent over there. In the United States, I'm not quite sure. I'm going to get that squeaker out that fucking dog. Get it. Ooh. Oh, I chew on a hunk of metal now. <laughs>
just shopping in his teeth. Hey, don't chew that, fuck. What is it? <laughs> What'd he break? Oh shit! Fucking ah! Well, that was fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> I, I I cut off right when the mayhem really started. For those who were listening, my dog. He was squeaking some kind of like squeaky toy in the other room. And when I went to get it, I went in there and he was just chewing or shredding a coffee mug. But it was just breaking into pieces in his mouth. And when I went to catch him, he ran in here. And then he just got wrapped around all the fucking cords for the podcast. And then everything ripped and there was explosions and fire. Spencer, my, Spencer's almost died. Yeah. It spilled drinks. That was like the... Yeah, that was the worst. He spilled my whiskey and somehow it did not get on the computer. But it went everywhere else. They should make uh, whiskey-proof uh, laptops just for... Uh, well, my laptop is water-resistant, but whiskey is... More than water. It's fire. <laughs> it can cause, it, you know, you can light it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Needless to say, got a little irritated. Yeah. Uh, on the plus side, the dog seems to be calm now. Yeah. He got in trouble, and now he's just sitting over there moping. Oh, I feel bad. Not really. I don't know who who were we even talking about. Uh, Raymond we, Chandler. Yeah, we were finishing up on him. Ah, uh, fuck Raymond Chandler. He was a drunk. I don't know because the shitty article it gives their biography and nothing else. Of course, like it doesn't it say why they were a great drunk, or it doesn't even give like any works of theirs. Yeah, it doesn't give any works that we can. I mean, it might for the later ones, but so far, no. Uh, well, it did for Hunter S. Thompson, like Fear and Loathing, and but we didn't cover him because we. We already know all about Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, but that kind of that that's that's a fucking shitty article. You're gonna talk about the greatest drunks. Talk about why they're drunks. Don't yeah. just say he drunk he drank for his whole writing career. What the fuck? What did his writing career span? Yeah, it didn't and say. Most people who like, even if you're like a writer and you're not a blackout like huge drunker, but you still drink throughout the entire time that you write. Yeah. Number 13, John Cheever. All right, let's find out about Mr. John Cheever. I like the name. He was born in 1912, died in 1982. He was an American novelist and short story writer, sometimes called the Chekhov of the suburbs or the Ovid of Ossinging. The fuck is that word? O-S-S-I-N-I-N-G, Ossinging. I guess that's a place. A compilation of his short stories, The Stories of John Cheever, won the 1979 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. So this dude was pretty acclaimed. Yeah. A comp- Again, this is another one. I've, I never read his work either. Well, maybe that'd be a good thing. We might find some good like, uh, some good people to maybe check out uh, after this. You well, know? when I skim through this list, it seems like some of the most talented writers in history were also some of the biggest drunks. Well, I think that was kind of a given, wasn't it? I mean, Is it the demons that drove him to drink? Then again, a lot of these are old writers, too, and I feel like back then the water wasn't so good, so it's like, yeah. I'd rather just drink the whiskey. Yeah, but, and too, what else are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, there's no TV. For a lot of these guys, there's no TV and the radio. I mean, who the fuck was the radio? Combination of his extreme alcoholism and inability to cope with being bisexual. Ooh, plot twist. Yeah. Cheever sought the advice of a therapist who said, 
Cheever is a neurotic man, narcissistic, egocentric, friendless, and so deeply involved in his own defensive illusions that he has invented a manic depressive wife. He eventually won the battle against alcohol and began a relationship with a male student. It's an interesting turn for yeah. most of these guys usually died because of drinking or something related to it. He uh he just kind of straightened up and got involved with the dude and it says nothing after that. Yeah. It's kind of weird too because like you see the guy's uh, picture that they share and you like, bisexual is not one of the first things that popped to mind when you just... No, he looks like kind of a... Not necessarily grizzle, but he definitely looks like a heart. Well, look at the tea. Look at the cup of tea in his hand. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I see how it is, Mister John Cheever, with your tea. I, I wonder if his drinking. Oh, well, yeah. I guess that inability to cope with being bisexual. That seemed like a common thread among a lot of people in the past, and even nowadays, where they're struggling with their sexuality and then they turn to alcohol, alcohol, drugs, the whole nine yard. Number 12, this one I did not know was a great drunk, O. Henry. O. Henry is the pen name of American writer William Sidney Porter. He was born in 1862 and he died in 1910. Porter's 400 short stories are known for their wit, wordplay, characterization, and the clever use of twist endings. A prolific writer, often turning out a story every week. Damn. Good for you, sir. Good for you. He kept his real identity a secret as his fame... As O. Henry grew, a failure at business, a spendthrift, I'm a thrifty person maybe, and finally an alcoholic, he died in poverty on June 5th, 1910. Well, that fucking sucks. Yeah. I've, I posted a couple of his stories on the site, and uh, he's a, he's a good-ass writer. That's a lot of short stories. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't think he wrote novels ever. But still, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the guy was definitely prolific. 400 short stories. And that's just what's known. A lot of, I'm sure, went by the wayside because he didn't like him or something. Uh, it, it sucks that um, after all that, too, because it seemed like people like it, you know, liked his work and stuff, and then just to end up pen- penniless. Well, he was right at that time, too, where being a writer was not yeah. a profitable business. Yeah. Unless you're like Mark Twain, there wasn't too many writers that were doing well. Number 11. Tennessee Williams. He is, in this picture, so happy and holding up a big cake while wearing a tuxedo. That's a man that does not look like an alcoholic there. You know what I have noticed just skimming through a lot of this article? The mustaches. The mustaches? A lot of mustaches. Now, that could just be be the time because a lot of them are like in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Which also kind of makes me wonder, like, are there no, like, great modern drunks? I mean, the the, the the most one was Hunter H. Thompson, and after that, it's been like... Well, Stephen King was a great drunk for a little bit. But he also liked to dabble in other things. Most of them did, though. Yeah. Like, I guarantee a lot of these writers we covered, uh, other than Hunter S. Thompson, probably did opiates of some sort. Opium. Or well, that. you know the famous story of Stephen King <laughs> writing... Cujo and one, like, coke bender. I kind of made me want to do a coke bender to see how that works. Well, apparently all writers nowadays are on Adderall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know what to do. I just feel like, I just stay away from any kind of drugs because I feel like I'm the guy that, like, would have some kind of heart problem or a seizure. Like, something bad would happen to me if I tried to do something like Adderall. Well, well, what I worry about is because it's supposed to basically be, like, speed. Yeah, I don't need that. So, like, say if you take it and you fucking bust it out, like... 15 words in it, 15,000 words in a day, and you're like, 
I'm never gonna stop doing this. Like, well, apparently, that's a, what a lot of journalists have problems with. Is once they start doing Adderall, they're like, "Oh, I'm so per- fucking, I'm so fucking productive. Yeah, I'm just not gonna stop taking this shit." And there's no way that's good for you. No, <laughs> just fry your nervous system. Anyway, Thomas Lanier Williams the third. He was born in 1911, died in 1983. Better known by the nickname Tennessee Williams, was a major American playwright of the 20th century who received many of the top theatrical awards for his work. One of Williams' most enduring works, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, included references to elements of his life such as homosexuality, mental instability, and alcoholism. Now, so far we've hit on two common themes, either mental problems or sexual identity problems. Yes. That seem to be leading to the alcoholism. Again, we don't know if that led to his alcoholism because they don't give any fucking real examples. I never read Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I'm sure he goes into it, maybe. And I just went on a sidebar. Uh, the name Tennessee Williams just seems like the perfect country singer name. It sounds like a perfect name for whiskey. Yeah, really? Yeah, it does. It's just a bottle. I want some Tennessee Williams. But he was a very pro- prolific playwright. I um, I think I have a couple of his I haven't got to read yet, but I'm not really a theater guy, you know? Yeah, especially to read. It'd be one thing to go and see the show. Yeah, to read it. it. But yeah, that, just, that seems like a, a bit of a chore. Now, number 10, which you might not know this about me, Spencer, is my favorite poet, which isn't hard because it's either him or Edgar Allan Poe. I don't really, I'm not a big poetry guy. Yeah, number 10, Dylan Thomas. Dylan what the fuck is his middle name? Marlace? That's what it looks like. Dylan Marlace Thomas, born in 1914, died in 1953, was a Welsh poet. Hey, fucking Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a great drunk. He is regarded by many as one of the 20th century's most influential poets. His best known works include Under Milkwood and Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. And I know you heard that poem, because that's in everything. Well, I, the name sounds familiar. I can't call it off the top of my head, but I know... Once like, you hear it, you... Yeah, yeah I'm going to say that title sounds very familiar. Yeah, that's by far my favorite poem of all time. He liked to boast about his drinking and said, An alcoholic is someone you don't like who drinks as much as you do. Interesting. Thomas's health rapidly began to deteriorate as a result of his drinking. He was warned by his doctor to give up alcohol, but he carried on regardless. Oh, see, he's a trooper. Yeah, I mean, why? <laughs> he's just pushed right on through that warning. Sobriety's for quarters. Now, who the fuck says this? On 3rd November 1950. Why would you say it that way? On November 3rd. That's the way. This must. This might have been written by a Welshman. <laughs> on 3 November 1953, Dylan Thomas, Dylan Thomas and Liz Rytel celebrated his 39th birthday in the success of 18 poems. On November 5th, Dylan Thompson... Motherfucker. Lips are sticking together. <laughs> Too much whiskey. Yeah. This Irish... We're drinking some fine... We didn't even say what we're drinking. We're drinking some fine Jameson Irish Stout Whiskey. And it is quite lovely, but it is giving me some cotton mouth here. Anyway, Dylan Thomas and Liz Rytel celebrated his 39th birthday and the success of 18 poems. On November 5th, Dylan Thomas... Dylan Thomas was quaffing a few beers with Liz Rytel at the White Horse Tavern, Greenwich Village, Manhattan, when he started to feel ill. He slipped into a coma and died four days later. He's only fucking 39. Now, that's a drunk. Right? Like, goddamn. And he, I remember seeing the pictures of him back, uh, around that time. He did not look good. He was uh-huh. all bloated and, like, swollen yeah. up. I never heard the term quaffing a few beers. Sounds dirty. Sounds like... 
Yeah, we shouldn't go there. We shouldn't go to where it sounds like what it is. You had a couple E's into that word instead, and this is get a different meaning. <laughs> oh, man. Number nine, Dorothy Parker. Now, this fine lady looks very depressed in her picture. Dorothy Parker, born in 1893, died in 1967, was an American writer and poet best known for her caustic wit, wisecracks, and sharp eye for 20th century urban foibles. <laughs> That's a great word, foibles. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta use that more. Yeah, I never use the word foibles. What am I thinking? That sounds like a like one of them Jewish words, foibles. <laughs> Certainly, not, 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 not Jewish, like one of the old-timey gangsters, foibles. Parker survived three marriages, two to the same man. And see, that man must have some dick. <laughs> he was good, huh? Um, and several suicide attempts, and that got dark, but grew increasingly dependent on alcohol. Although she would come to dismiss her own talents and deplore her reputation as a wisecracker, her literary output and her sparkling wit have endured long past her death. You know what? That's actually pretty rare. We don't have any other female drunks on this list. No, that was the only one. Yeah, so shout out to Dorothy Parker. I'm sorry your life was miserable. It's, it's That sucks, too, because you see a lot of these very uh, um, prominent writers who are, oh, I would say geniuses, a lot of them. Yeah. And they definitely not just suffered mental problems, but like that alcohol just got them. Well, again, as we brought up before, I think a lot of them had got to deal with the time period that they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even like today, whenever somebody's having some troubles, they got like, you know, they can go see a doctor, a therapist, take some like drugs yeah, or whatever. Hey, hey, hey. It's like, it's like alcohol or kill yourself. Pretty much. Or both. No, usually it seems like most of these people killed themselves with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, uh, going out uh, Nicholas Cage style in well, uh, just imagine, Las Vegas. <laughs> just imagine how um, how potent the booze was back then, too. Because for a long period, they didn't really have a, a strict control board that like monitored the levels. No. I mean, they had some, obviously, uh, some regulations, but like, think about Prohibition era. Oh, yeah. In the 20s, it was completely banned. So the booze they were making, bathtub gin. Oh, Fucking whiskeys and moonshine. Because look at like the moonshine industry now. You get some moonshine that is like gasoline. just melts your eyebrows. Yeah. You're just drinking straight kerosene. So in the 20s, you had all it these bars like, serving booze. They didn't know what the alcohol content was. You like burn a hole through your chest. Well, I think that's why a lot of these people got so much like stomach issues and intestinal fucking problems. They probably got ulcers and like the booze just burned through their intestinal tract and just killed them. Rough. It was a rough life, but it was the only life they knew. And it had to taste like ass. Oh, yeah, because it's not like it tastes good now, for the most part. Yeah, depending on what booze you get, it does not taste great. I mean, there you can get some good booze out there that's smooth, but unless you have a taste for alcohol and the burning and all that shit, like, if you get somebody that's never drank, like, here, just drink this nice, calm, smooth scotch. They're going to be like, ooh. Yeah. Okay, could you imagine if you went to a time machine and, like you said, went back during the Prohibition times and just took, like, a shot of anything? <laughs> of anything. Say goodbye to your good gut biome. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to fucking eat it away. Number eight, the man, the myth, and legend himself. Edgar Allan Poe. Now, did his face always look like that? 
I think so. I think he came out of the out of the Bothing Canal looking like that. I don't know the mustache and everything. Yeah, that, like imagine his poor mother with that fucking head that guy had. Oh, dude, it's big. That <laughs> it is big. Dude, look at the forehead. That's what I'm saying. Well, I know I forget which picture. I don't know if it's this picture. It's like definitely one of the pictures everybody associates with Poe was actually. Uh, I forget what it was. It was after either, like, he was, like, really, really drunk or sick. Like, there's some kind of fucked up situation with the pitcher. And, like, that's the one they always use of him. So, he looks real extra haggard. But he, he's not – he wasn't normally that haggard looking. I think it might be this one. Like, you see how uh, big – the even for the shitty photography back then, you see how big the bags are under his eyes and yeah. shit. Because <clears throat> you can find pictures of young Poe, and he was kind of a stunner, man. He was born in 1809, died in 1849. He was an American poet, short story writer, editor, and literary critic, and pretty much everybody knows fucking Edgar Allan Poe. He wrote The Raven and was one of the... Telltale Hots, you should like... Yeah, he was like the first guy who really made it, as, like, he made his career as a writer. Granted, he was poor for most of his life, but still, he, he made his living off of writing, which was something people didn't do back then, at least in America. But anyway, what was interesting about him was his death. Now, everybody likes to say Edgar Allan Poe was the biggest alcoholic. And he certainly went through uh, bouts of alcoholism. He always went through like big benders, but he would also go through these long periods where he didn't drink. And when he died, they tried to say it was from alcohol because they found him on like a bench in Baltimore. Yeah. But it was during a period where he wasn't drinking. He was a teetotaler at the time. So there was a lot of things. Oh, like maybe he had rabies. But what which I think might have been the case was... Uh, they had a form of voter fraud back then where they would catch guys and they would force them to change clothes and keep voting for yeah. somebody. And they think uh, Poe got caught by a gang and they beat him up and kept changing his clothes and food, feeding him booze and opiates and shit and making him vote over and over. And then he died. Aww. I mean, that might not be it, but if that was, that'd be pretty fucked up. You like, know, I, I didn't know until I heard this recently that, you know, like the Baltimore Ravens, they're the Ravens because... Yeah, they're in Baltimore. Yeah, Grand Poe. He died yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, have you been? I like. I just. Well, whenever that happened, like I never heard. Like that's why they named him the Baltimore Ravens. I just. Well, why else would you name a football team the Ravens? I don't know. Why the fuck would you name a team the fucking Lions or the fucking Patriots? Lions, yeah, but or, Lions or, or could the, tear you up. Or the Bears in fucking Chicago. Bears could tear. Well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Illinois has woods at somewhere. I'm sure there's a bear. Oh well, yeah, but Chicago doesn't. That I know. The of. only one that makes like <laughs> if you go to like NFL like like name logos, the only one that really makes fucking sense is the goddamn Steelers, and it doesn't make sense anymore because there's no, no goddamn steel in Pittsburgh. No, there's not. They What's should the- be called the Pittsburgh Blue Collars, is what they should be called. We, we will say this: there's no, no. It should be the fucking Pittsburgh Medical Field because that's what <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh is now. Is. <laughs> what uh? What's I would say my opinion for the worst name franchise in all of sports might have to be the Pelicans. Oh, right? yes. That's a fucking horrible. Yeah, that's terrible. The Pelicans? Why? Like, they were originally the Jazz, which makes sense. New Orleans, Jazz. And then they became the Hornets, which, okay, I'm sure there's fucking Hornets down there. And then you're like, no, you know what? Pelicans. Wasn't there a couple of things else before that, too? Wasn't that the team that was always kept on moving? Because I remember, like, because wasn't they the Hornets in a couple different places, too? No, it was the Charlotte Hornets, and then Charlotte moved to New Orleans. What about the Bobcats? The uh, Bobcats are the Hornets now. Yeah, I was going to say, so... And then New Orleans became the Pelicans. They gave the Hornets So the... there's the Hornets now? Yeah, they're Charlotte oh, Hornets again. Oh, wow. They went back to Charlotte Hornets. Oh, that's it's, it's all really fucking stupid. That shit gets so confusing. 
Let's not talk about this anymore. Because our readers and listeners do not give a shit about goddamn pelicans. Because I don't. <laughs> and I like basketball. Number seven. Truman Capote. Now, this is a very young picture of Truman Capote. He looks like a teenager. Yeah. He does not look like Philip Seymour Hoffman at all in this picture. <laughs> I'm Truman, sure he's happy about that. Yes. Truman Capote. But anytime I... Like, I never saw that Capote movie. No. I wanted to watch it, but I saw Along Came Polly before that. So, anytime <laughs> I saw Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman, all I could think about was, like, him... Oh, I sharded, you know? <laughs> he's like, what's a shard? And then, like, when he was throwing the basketball, like, old school. And he was just, like, a sloppy fat guy in that movie. And then I saw him in Boogie Nights, too. It was, like, the same kind of character. Yeah. Like a sloppy fat guy. Anyway, Truman Capote, born 1924, died in 1984. He was an American writer whose stories, novels, plays, and nonfiction are recognized literary classics, including the novella Breakfast at Tiffany's, which everybody remembers from the movie, and In Cold Blood, which I, if that was a movie I'd never seen, I'd never heard of that story. It sounds familiar, but yeah, nah. He labeled, he labeled that one a nonfiction novel. While Capote was writing In Cold Blood, he would have a double martini before lunch, another with lunch, and a stinger afterward. Well, goddamn, he was getting it in. Yeah. After he was arrested for drunken driving on Long Island, he went to Silver Hills, an expensive clinic in Connecticut for alcoholics. He could stave off the booze for three or four months, and then he went back on it. He appeared on a talk show, Drunk and Rambling. I drink, he said after one minge. Oh, I, I, I'm, what am I giving him a deep voice? But then he like talking like this. Yeah. Like he had that little, I drink, he said when he was after a binge, because it's the only time I can stand it. What the fuck does that mean, guy? Drink because it's the only time he can stand it. Maybe he drinks because that's the only time he can stand being drunk. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Just a side note, he got a DUI in Long Island. I wouldn't want to fucking drive in Long Island, like sober. That's why I always <laughs> was funny when you hear these DUI stories from celebrities in like New York or Miami, like I, or LA. Like I wouldn't want to fucking drive through these places sober. Yeah. Like the traffic and everybody driving like an asshole, and you're doing it drunk. Like what the fuck is Maybe happening? That's the only way to do it. <laughs> Maybe they can in like in, in Miami, you just pull over any random car and they're just chances, drunk. Yeah, there's like there's like an eight out of ten chance that that person's some kind of hammered. Well, Miami, they're probably just all on cocaine. Oh, so they're yeah. probably driving fast as shit. <sighs> Number six, Jack Kerouac. He was a fucking wino. I read uh, Dharma Bums not too long ago. And it was just about his time in California and going to Mexico and shit. And like, he was pretty much a, a self-made hobo. Because I guess back in the old days, you can be a hobo and not be a hobo. Like, you just ride the rails and just go drink and do stupid shit. And people didn't, like, look... Oh, I'm sure they still look down on you. But they were, like, the uh, the Beatnik crew. So, yeah. everybody just kind of was for it or whatever. But he would talk about, like, Oh, we're going to climb this mountain today. We should probably bring some wine and drink a whole bottle. And like, what the fuck? Like, he just drink bottles of wine before every excursion. Jack Kerouac was born in 1922. He died in 1969. He was an American novelist, writer, poet, and artist. Along with William S. Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, he is among the best known of the writers and friends known as the Beat Generation. Kerouac died on October 21st, 1969 at St. Anthony's Hospital in St. Petersburg, Florida. One day after being rushed with severe abdominal pain from his St. Petersburg home by ambulance, his death at the age of 47, another young one, resulted from an internal hemorrhage, bleeding esophageal varices caused by cirrhosis of the liver. The result of a lifetime of heavy drinking. Yeah, like I said, he drank. Out of the guys on this list, he definitely was one of the top because 
While the other ones, when they'd have like these fucking medical issues, like their gut extending and shit, they'd be like, okay, I'm going to cut it down for a while. He didn't. He just was like, I'm going to drink through it. Yeah. From what I remember reading of him, I don't think he had a real reason. He wasn't like a depressed guy. He probably just like getting fucked up. I think so. He just, like, that was just his philosophy. Because he was like a Buddhist, kind of. Like a Buddhist philosophy usually is more, uh, you know, about internal peace and shit, yeah. like inner peace and stuff like that. It's not a... There's not a lot of turmoil go- turmoil going on in people like that. So why he was drinking so much, I never really understood. Though I didn't read a lot of his work, so I can't really say if he did have depression, but it didn't seem like he did too much. Number five, William Faulkner. 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 William Cuthbert Faulkner, born in 1897, died in 1962, was an American novelist, film screenwriter, and poet whose works featured his native state of Mississippi. Now, this was a Southern writer who was a true genius. He, like, I remember, I think he won the Nobel Prize in literature, and he had one of the best speeches of all time, but the people who were attending couldn't understand what he was saying because of his uh, his accent, his Southern accent. Yeah. But then when you when they re-listened to it, like, oh, shit, this guy's a genius. Yeah. They thought he was, like, kind of dumb because, you know, they couldn't understand him. Anyway, he is regarded as one of the most influential writers of the 20th century and was awarded the 1949 Nobel Prize for Literature. Much has been made of the fact that Faulkner had a serious drinking problem throughout his life, but as Faulkner himself stated on several occasions, and as was witnessed by members of his family, the press, and friends at various periods over the course of his career, he did not drink while writing, nor did he believe that alcohol helped to fuel the creative process. It is now widely believed that Faulkner used alcohol as an escape valve from the day-to-day pressures of his regular life. I feel like if I lived in Mississippi my whole life, I might want to drink all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've never been to Mississippi, but I've known people that have been through it and lived in it, and it apparently sucks. And that, like, that Mississippi now, I can't imagine old-timey Mississippi. It'd be rough, I would, yeah, I would, I would have to think. It's very strange, though. I mean, he must have liked it to a degree if he lived there. Like, he became rich and famous for being a writer. He would fucking move. You would think. I guess he liked Mississippi. Yeah, would you think that he, he was talking about using the alcoholic to escape the day-to-day life? Or day-to-day life or what? Writing? Yeah, <laughs> which you said, it, uh, you know, you're not using it as an excuse to get things done, you know. I don't know. Maybe he, uh, family problems, wife problems. Like, his work is really dense and hard to read. Uh, like, The Sound and the Fury is fucking, it's like wild. Like, I, I would assume he wrote that drunk the way, he, like, it <laughs> reads. So, the fact that he didn't is kind of incredible. Number four, this is one of history's favorite drunken madman, Charles Bukowski. Henry Charles Bukowski, born in 1920, died in 1994. He had a long life. He was an influential Los Angeles poet and novelist. Bukowski's writing was heavily influenced by the geography and atmosphere of his home city of Los Angeles. So essentially, he was like the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers of writing. His father was in and out of work during the Depression years and was a reputed tyrant, verbally and physically abusing abusing his son throughout his childhood. It was perhaps to numb himself from his father's abuse that Bukowski began drinking at the age of 13. Jesus. Initiating his lifelong affair with alcohol. It's got to be some rough shit when your fucking dad is referred to as a tyrant. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, his dad is Thanos. <laughs> like, Jesus. Snap, motherfuckers. God damn. Oh. Yeah, I watched the Bukowski interviews, and that he definitely lived a crazy-ass life. He looks he's, he's haggard as shit, isn't he? Like, I think he looked like that since he was born. <laughs> that looks like a dude that drank since he was 13. 
He got, he definitely has that like leathery face quality mm-hmm. that good alcoholics have. Oh yeah. Now the big nose. Now here's one that a lot of people probably wouldn't think was an alcoholic because of the time period, but he most certainly was. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Because you think of the 20s, that, you know, Great Gatsby, you think all these fantastic parties, everybody fucking dancing, you had the flappers all dressed up and shit. And you know, what well, they do through the whole time? They're drinking. Just throwing them back. And there was Prohibition era, like we said, Prohibition era booze. So they're drinking these dirty ass martinis. Yeah. The dirtiest bathtub gin. Shit made in people's toilets. Like, it was rough. And that's what he drank. And he drank a lot because he was depressed and he wasn't a very successful writer. Believe it or not, I think he died penniless. See what this wonderful Seems article says. Seems to be another theme. Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald was born in 1896 and he died in 1940. He was an American writer of novels and short stories whose work ha- have been seen as evocative of the jazz age, a term he himself allegedly coined. Fitzgerald had been an alcoholic since his college days and became notorious during the 1920s for his extraordinarily heavy drinking, leaving him in poor health by the late 1930s. On the night of December 20th, 1940, he had a heart attack, and the next day, December 21st, while waiting a visit from his doctor, Fitzgerald collapsed and died. He was 44. Damn. Now, Fitzgerald was pretty impressive because while he wasn't what you would consider like a manly man looking at him, you know, he hung out in he-, he hung out with Hemingway, and he definitely kept up with Hemingway drinking-wise. Yeah, which is no easy task. No, not at all. Number two, James Joyce. Here's our only Irishman on the list. James Augustine Aloysius Joyce. I feel like I have to say that with an accent. Yeah. James Augustine Aloysius Joyce. He you can't was, say it any other way. No, not the name Aloysius. He was born in 1882. He died in 1941. So cool he has two middle names. I wish I had like five middle <laughs> names. Like, uh, like a lot of people from Latin American or. Like, Latin America, they have, like, 12 middle names. Yeah. They're crazy. Uh, James Joyce was an Irish expatriate writer, widely considered to be one of the most influential writers of the 20th century. He is best known for his landmark novel, Ulysses, from 1922, and its highly controversial successors, Finnegan's Wake, which is unfucking readable mm-hmm. as we've discussed in the past. Joyce lived in Dublin for many years, binge drinking the whole time. <laughs> Jesus. His drinking episodes occasionally caused fights in the local pubs. Which was funny because I'm sure we'll get to this in the next entry here, because he hung out with Hemingway all the time when they uh, when they were in Paris and shit, the part of the Lost Generation. He would purposely pick fights so Hemingway would come in and, <laughs> and, and, and you know end the fights with his fist. I don't, I feel like you can't live in Dublin for a long time without being like a heavy drinker. No, especially back then. I, when was the potato famine? Because I feel like that was around that time. I feel like everything was just bad back then. It was. So, and that's America. So imagine in like Dublin and stuff. It couldn't. It just wasn't good. But Every, he, everything before the '60s was terrible. Now, if you look at this picture of a not at all old James Joyce, he has a cane. He looks all slouched over. Got got like multiple rings on. Yeah, this is not even the picture where he has the giant Nick Fury eye patch because mm-hmm. he had a giant eye patch for most of his life too. Like in a lot of his pictures. And I don't remember, I forget what it was, but he he had some health problems. So fucking heavy drinking on top of it did not help. He's wearing his hat almost sideways like you would wear. Like he a, looks like an old-timey pimp. Yeah, like, a, like almost if you would wear like a baseball cap sideways. But if you took like an old-timey hat and did, it, did that. 
I'm going to ask you something, Spencer, and I want you to be honest. Have you ever read and or beat off to his love letters? No. <laughs> well, I'm going to read one for you. Right, let me find one. Uh, let me find one because they're fucking raunchy, dude. Oh, yeah? I didn't even know he had, like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, he had... They are... off to love letters. Who were they to? His woman at the time. I don't know if she was his wife or... I forget... Like, just some random lady he had a thing for. They they are so dirty. <laughs> there, there's a lot of them too, and they're his love letters are better than anything I've ever written in my whole life, <laughs> and they'll be better than anything I will ever write in my whole life, which is uh, really fucked up. There, there's a lot of them, so I'm just gonna find what I thought was the grossest one. <laughs> and now are, are they like crazy unreadable? Like that last like a couple of no, episodes? not like not like Finnegan's Wake. Dude, <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I just read a sentence of this. If you're of a delicate constitution, you might want to tune out for the next five minutes. In December 8th, 1909, 44th Fontenoy Street, Dublin. <laughs> oh, here we go. Dublin. James Joyce to his woman, Nora. My sweet little whorish Nora. I did as you told me, you dirty little girl, and pulled myself off twice when I read your letter. I am delighted to see that you do like being fucked arseways. Yes, and now I can remember the night when I fucked you for so long backwards. It was the dirtiest fucking I ever gave you. Darling, my prick was stuck up in you for hours, fucking in and out under your upturned rump. I felt your fat sweaty buttocks under my belly and saw your flushed face and mad eyes. At every fuck I gave you, you shameless tongue come bursting out through your lips, and if I gave you a bigger, stronger fuck than usual, fat, dirty farts came sputtering out of your backside. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fuck <laughs> and I fucked them all out of you. Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties ending in a long gush from your hole. It is wonderful to fuck a farting woman. When every fuck drives one out of her, I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out in a room full of farting women. It is a rather girlish noise, not like the wet, windy farts which I imagine fat wives have. It is sudden and dry and dirty like what a bold girl would let off in fun in a school dormitory at night. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face so that I may know their smell also. <laughs> oh my god. Need a break? <laughs> That's hilarious. It's not even over, is it? No. No, and this is only one letter. There's like fucking 20 on here. Well, I got a headache. <laughs> you say when I go back, you will suck me off and you want me to lick your cunt. You little depraved blackguard. I hope you will surprise me sometime when I am asleep dressed. Steal over me with the whore's glow in your slumberous eyes. Gently undo button after button in the fly of my trousers and gently take out your lover's fat Mickey. Lay it up in your moist mouth and suck away at it till it gets fatter and stiffer and comes off in your mouth. Sometimes, too, I shall surprise you asleep. Lift up your skirts and open your hot drawers gently. Then lie down gently by you and begin to lick lazily around your bush. You will begin to stir uneasily. Then I will lick the lips of my darling's cunt. You, so you will begin to groan and grunt and sigh and fart with lust in your sleep. Then I will lick up faster and faster like a ravenous dog until your cunt is a mass of slime and your body wriggling wildly. Good night to my little farting Nora, my dirty little fuck bird. There is one lovely word, darling, you have underlined to make me pull myself off better. 
Write me more about that and def- and yourself sweetly dirtier, dirtier, Jim. That's why you had to Jim. That is definitely the greatest thing I've ever heard written. Have you ever heard somebody write so eloquently, yet Talking so nasty about, fart- about farting? <laughs> Like, the way he was describing them, merry little cracks. Like, it was fucking I great. I could find her fart in a room full of farts. <laughs> you know what that kind of want to make me do? It makes me want to get, like, on, like, a dating website. Like, find a chick and, like, just post that. <laughs> just, and just to see what the response is. Just change the name to her name? Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, that... I remember when I first read that. I just... Because I always... You get yeah, James Joyce, you read any of his work, you're like, oh, this guy, he's a fucking genius. And you don't ever think about that kind of stuff. I would, dude, if they published those those letters. They did the book, now. I'd, def- I'd buy that book. Fucking right. I don't know if it's a book. I know you could get it just uh, online. Uh, where that was, that was on the Paris Review, which is one of the top literary magazines in the world. They published it. Man. But um, think about this. How would you feel if you wrote some shit like that to your lady, and then later on somebody fucking published it for the world to read? I mean, I mean, cause I'm dead, so... Yeah, I don't know if they... I'm assuming they published after he was dead. That'd be fucked up if he was alive. Because, well, 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 as you were doing that, I'm like, I'm looking at the timeline, I was, you know, he was born in, he was born in 1882, he died in 1941, so he was probably writing that to his, and like... The were like... Well, it had the date. What was it? Because uh, that's the most surprising thing, because you don't think of 1909. people... 1909. You don't think of people in 1909 yeah. talking about fucking people till they fart. Fucking their farts out of their yeah. butt. Yeah, so anybody that thinks, like, people today are so much nastier and cruder than they were back then... No, they just had, like, censorship on TV and shit yeah. back then, but the people were way worse. They didn't have the internet. They did not. So yeah, James. that mean that might need to be an episode of just going through all those letters. <laughs> we might have to do that. But yeah, James Joyce was a fucking drunk, I guess. <laughs> um, among a, a fucking pervert. That's that's. I don't want to judge anybody on their sexual exploits or what they enjoy, but that's gross. <laughs> like gross. if you're having sex with a lady and she's just busting ass the whole time, and he's just like, yeah, like he was into it. He was making. He was trying to get him out. Do you think maybe, maybe instead of farts, they were just af- actually like queefs and he just didn't know what queefs were back then? It's possible. I don't know. I feel like he'd be into queefs though, too. <laughs> Number one, unsurprisingly, Ernest Hemingway. And they picked the most grizzled picture of him. Right? Too. But he always looks so like stoic in every picture. He looks like, like that was his man's man fucking appeal, I guess. But like you look at that dude, you're like, oh, I, he's an old man. I still wouldn't want to fight him. No. Ernest Miller Hemingway was born in 1899 and he died in 1961. He was an American novelist, short story writer, and journalist, nicknaming himself Papa while still in his 20s. I feel like you can't name yourself Papa. Like, somebody else should name you that. He was a part of the 1920s expatriate community in Paris known as the Lost Generation. As described in his memoir, A Movable Feast, throughout his life, Hemingway had been a heavy drinker, succumbing to alcoholism in his later years, during which time he suffered from increasing physical and mental problems. In July 1961, after being released from a mental hospital where he'd been treated for severe depression, he committed suicide at his home in Ketchum, Idaho, with the shotgun. Every picture, like he, out of everybody on this list, Hemingway has fucking drinks named after him. Yeah. 
like worldwide known drinks. He even has like bars in Miami and Cuba where they have pictures of him on the wall because that's where he hung out so much. Maybe not Miami, Key West, I think. Yeah, but Hemingway, I think everybody knows his drinking exploits. Like that man was, he was a madman. If you read any Hemingway book, every single one of them is just like the protagonist just drinks nonstop throughout the fucking, even the one that was uh, about the Spanish War and the, the guy was in war and the whole time they were living in a cave and they're like, well, here's some booze. <laughs> like where do I can get that? Don't worry, the booze. We got some booze. Notable omissions, Frederick Exley, Harry Cruz, Jack London, and Stephen King. Jack London, he was a pretty good drunk. He was an adventurer, too. I feel like that's a, also a part of these people's appeal. Like, Hemingway, he went to Africa, and he was trying to go to World War One too. I mean, like, even uh, Hunter H. Thompson, to an extent. He was an adventurer. Yeah, we talked about in the past how he went to, like, Peru and all these places. Now, Stephen King, well, I mean, we touched on that a little bit, but he was one of the few writers who came out of it. Yeah. Like, he had a huge problem in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, especially the 80s, and then he finally turned it around. Oh, he doesn't drink at all. No, I don't think he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke anymore. I imagine he doesn't do coke anymore. <laughs> no, probably not. So, let me ask you this, Spencer. If you were to become one of these great alcoholics, what would your drink of choice be? A French? <laughs> no, not a French. I don't know. Because unlike you, my drinking extends on you know up to your part so like i because even now i don't even really have like a drink of choice mm-hmm. it's more just like if i'm somewhere and somebody has something i'm like oh i might i might try that because oh, this is terrible i don't want it anymore or, hey this isn't too bad i'll take another i feel a man needs to have a drink of choice Spencer. i mean like i'll always kind of like if I'm going to a bar or something, I normally get, like, a rum and coke or maybe, like, a, a whiskey, like, you know, something like that. But, like, I don't have, like, a... As I further develop my taste, I'm partial to Manhattans. I've been uh, been enjoying Negronis a lot lately. Those are pretty good. And, uh, of course, just whiskey's neat. I mean, yeah, any kind of whiskey neat usually is pretty good or bourbon. But yeah, I think I'm more of a Manhattan guy myself. Not much of a martini fan. I was just going to say, you don't want another huge martini? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really... I mean, I don't mind martinis. But I'm not a huge fan. I'm not much of a vodka drinker. I don't really care for yeah. vodka that much. I feel like when you're drinking vodka, you're drinking like weird drinks. You're drinking like fucking, you know, weird juices and like th- like some... Even like a simple like cranberry with vodka or something. It's like, if I'm going to drink that, I'm just drink a cranberry juice. I don't need to get drunk. I don't need to like have a... a a uh, screwdriver like orange juice and uh, vodka, be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm still being healthy. Yeah, yeah. and it's just that weird. You get that weird alcohol instantly. I think it too together. because when I was in like elementary school, I think I was you, in, like you was a heavy drinker. <laughs> no, I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade. I remember in gym class, we always had a bunch of kids that would bring vodka because they're. Um, I guess it was easy to steal off their parents, like the plastic jug shit. Like you had multiple kids that did this? Multiple kids. And they they put it in like a water bottle. Yeah. And then they would make uh, the school orange juice. They'd make fucking... And at the, for some reason at the time, I didn't think it was strange at all. I didn't drink that. Like, I, I didn't even taste booze when I was a little kid, obviously. But these kids did. And I'm thinking, like, you're like, not, what, nine, ten years old, however you are in like fourth, fifth grade. And you're sitting there mixing, like, <laughs> screwdrivers in the fucking locker room in gym class before they go out on the floor. <sighs> It's like you're like eight, like seventy pounds soaking wet. What are you doing? Like, how do you? Where did you learn how to do that? When I was a kid, I didn't know anything about no. mixing drinks. Like, I'm like uh, the idea of putting vodka and um, 
putting vodka and orange juice together as a little kid, I would have been like, ew. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Because, like, I don't know if you've ever done it when you're a little kid, like, your parents have a drink, you might take a sip. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, shit your pants immediately. It's <laughs> yeah. awful. So, to think of, like, ruining good orange juice with that, I'm like, why? I'm going to just put rubbing alcohol in it. And then I'm trying to think, like, what were the fuck were these kids going through that they had to be drunk in school at, like, eight year, nine, nine, ten years old? It's fucking weird. Uh, but to go into our next category. Some people's children. Some people with problems. Shit, we're already at the fucking hour mark, man. I don't know. Should we go to the next category? I mean, we could do a double episode. Because I feel like I don't feel like editing five hours. <laughs> Maybe we'll end this one and just do a drunken DBS episode. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like Do fun. you folks like that idea? We do. Or do you just want me to read more of uh, James Joyce fuck fiction? <laughs> I think that's the next episode. Now, see, if James Joyce wrote fuck books, I would read those. Oh, yeah, that's entertaining. Like, if Stephanie Meyer, or not Stephanie, E.L. James, if she wrote fuck books like James Joyce's love letters... I would fucking read the shit out of that. You know what I would do if I like if I ran uh, like a porn company, I'd just be fucking doing those like some fucking high end pornos. Just making, just taking those letters and just recreate recreating what's going on in those letters. <laughs> letters. Oh God! Anyway. It's already there on the page. Yeah, I suppose making fart porn. All right. Well, we're gonna end this one, and then we're gonna drink, and then we're gonna have another one. So, catch the DBS episode, which will be out on Thursday, because I'm sure that one's gonna be a doozy. Because <laughs> that's just gonna be more drunken nonsense. We didn't even get to the Irish uh, authors we were gonna talk about, so I guess we'll do that in the next one. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter who the fuck listens to podcasts when they first come out, anyway. Yeah. You folks have a great evening. Don't drink too much. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>